Before we, uh, before we get into the Word this morning, and if you want to get your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, I want to do something uh, that uh, thousands of other churches are doing all over uh, our country and all over the world this morning. I want to take a moment and talk about what's going on uh, in our world. Um, this time last week, uh, whether it was before or whether it was a week ago, we really don't know, but uh, 21 Egyptian Christians were executed by Islamic terrorists. And uh, whatever news channel you watch, it was shocking. It's still shocking. And um, we want to take a moment this morning and, and just recognize this, but also talk about it. I mean, you probably know that every single day in this world, there is a Christian that is executed or persecuted for their faith. And, um, but we're, we're dealing with a time now uh, where we're seeing evil at a whole nother level. And uh, as the church, we need to be praying like we've never prayed before. Uh, we need to be standing up for our brothers and sisters all over the world like we've never had before. And um, we need to be praying for our president. We need to be praying for our government. We need to be praying for other nations on how we're going to address this issue. And, uh, but we do have uh, in our bag of powerful weapons, the most powerful weapon of all, the church prayer. And so I want to take a moment, if we could, and I want to take a moment just of silent prayer. I want us to think and pray about uh, those 21 Christians that lost their life. And, um, and I want you to pray for their families. I want you to pray for all of the other people who are being persecuted and losing their life. Um, be praying for our times right now that we're in. Uh, these, are, these are times where we need to be bold and courageous, and, um, and we need to stand strong for our faith. And so we're going to take a moment and have a moment of silent prayer, and then I'll pray for us before we get into the Word. Father, as we come before you this morning in prayer, we are um, just asking um, that you would strengthen every Christian who is facing persecution, who is facing possible death today because of their faith. And we pray today for just the courage and boldness um, that they need as they face these times. We pray for the 21 individuals and their families, Lord, who sometime last week or whenever it took place lost a, a family member as a result of pure evil. And Lord, we're just asking right now that you would um, be with our president, be with our government leaders, be with government leaders of nations all over the world. Uh, Father, that we would have wisdom and discernment, courage and boldness to do whatever it is you're leading us to do to tackle the evil that we're facing in this world. And, uh, Lord, we, we're always in the midst of evil around us, Lord, but we realize, Father, that we're living in, in a day where uh, things have been ramped up to a whole other level. So I pray for us today that if we were ever in a place like that, that we would have the courage and the boldness to stand for you. And I pray for every other Christian, brother and sister in Christ, that you would give them that same faith and cour courageous boldness today. And we stand with them in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, we're in Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we, as you know, we've, we've covered a lot of ground over the last couple of weeks, and um, I want to just take a moment and catch us up. If you've missed uh, one of the last few weeks, uh, you'll notice that we're not reading every verse in, in the book of Ephesians, but we're covering some topics, and so I want to take a moment and uh, just talk a little bit about what we learned a few weeks ago in chapter 1. We talked about the fact that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, have been chosen, we've been adopted, and we have been accepted into God's family. We've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, He has given us the riches of His grace, and we have been sealed by His Holy Spirit. In other words, our salvation is being held and being sealed in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit and we, as a result, are his prized possessions. What an amazing truth that is. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, we learned that before Christ, we were doomed and we were spiritually dead. There was absolutely nothing that we could do. But because of God's grace, we've been offered life. We've been offered salvation as a free gift. It can't be earned by works. It can only be received by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And then once we receive Christ, God looks at us and says, you are my workmanship. You're actually a masterpiece. And and then after salvation, we, we learn that God is continuing to work out, work out the salvation in our lives to make us more and more and more like Jesus. And then Paul talks about, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, talks about how that salvation uh, has been made acceptable now or has been made available to the Gentiles. And while the Jews are still God's chosen people, when God looks at his family, he sees us. When, when God looks at his people, what he sees is he sees his church. And then we get into Ephesians chapter 3, and in the very first part of this uh, chapter, we see Paul talking about how all of this information that I just mentioned to you was hidden. It was a secret. It was hidden by the Old Testament crowd. And when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross and the Bible was written, all of a sudden it was unveiled to us. It was revealed to us. And so we get down to the very end of chapter 3, and the Apostle Paul prays a prayer to end this section of scripture. And Paul prays that we, that believers, followers of Jesus would be strengthened by what we have heard and that we would actually begin to walk in this strength. Now I want to tell you, this is one of my very favorite passages in the Bible. I love this passage of scripture and I think there's so much application, not just for this morning, but for the rest of our lives. So let's check out this amazing prayer. Verse 14. Apostle Paul writes, for this reason, he's talking about everything that he has set up to this moment, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, which is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And he's, then he says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right. That's a great passage of scripture right there. Now, as you've read this prayer with me, I want you to understand that Paul 
is not just praying that we would understand who we are in Christ. He is praying that we would begin to walk in the reality of this truth to the point where it actually begins to change our lives. Now, I want to go back to chapter 1 for just a moment because the Apostle Paul lays out in verse 3 the theme of the whole book. He says, God the Father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now, can you imagine going through life knowing that you have at your disposal amazing spiritual riches in Christ, but yet you never, ever get to the moment or to the place where you apply it to your life? Imagine being incredibly poor, and all of a sudden, one day, a billionaire walks up to you, and he gives you a check. All right? I mean, he gives you a check that just is, is I mean, it's like a, it just gives you a billion dollars. And you accept that gift, you accept that check, but you never cash it. And instead, you, you, you choose to still live in extreme poverty. That's what it would be like to know all of this information, to know that it's all at your disposal, but to never use it, to never embrace it as part of your identity or to embrace it, to, to apply it to your daily life. Listen, what God has provided for us through Jesus Christ, it should be a game changer for us. It should be a game changer for us. But if we know it and we don't apply it, then it just is personally useless to us. I mean, the Bible is still true. It stands by itself. But if we don't take it and apply it to our life, then it has no power in our lives. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, he says, you're only fooling yourself. And so many people have this idea that if I come to church and just listen to a sermon or if if I sit in a Bible study, then I'm growing spiritually. Listen, that's not the case. The hearing is important, but it's the doing and the applying that actually brings the growth and the blessing and the power and the strength. And And that's the focus of what Paul is praying here. He's saying, Lord, help your people to take what they know and to apply it to their lives so that they can walk in spiritual power every single day, that they can have strength every single day as they walk this Christian life. That's why Paul starts out this prayer by saying this. He says, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father for whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Now, here's Paul. What Paul's saying is, he says, Lord, I am so passionate about this. I am so filled with an intensity about what I want to pray to you right now and what I'm asking on behalf of my friends in Ephesus, Lord, that I am on my knees. Praying on your knees is a posture of humility. He says, Lord, I come humbly before you, passionately asking you this because I want my dear friends in Ephesus to not only know this truth, but I want them to believe it to the point where it actually changes their lives. Now, this prayer is a prayer that builds on top of each other. In, in other words, each request builds on top of the, of the request that has been just made. But it all revolves around Paul praying for spiritual strength, all right? He's requesting spiritual strength on behalf of these believers, and this applies to us this morning. First of all, he says, Lord, he prays that we might have the strength of God's Holy Spirit. He says, I'm praying in verse 16 that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, two weeks ago, I mentioned to you the the difference between giving out of your riches and giving according to your riches. If I was a billionaire and I gave you a dollar, I would be giving you something out of my riches. 
But if I walked up to you and I just gave you a ton of money, I mean, I just wrote you a check for a billion dollars, I would be giving something to you according to my riches. I would be dumping wealth upon you. And that's what Paul's asking here on our behalf. He's saying, Lord, don't just give my friends a little bit. Reach down deep into your never-ending supply of spiritual blessings. And Lord, would you just dump it on them? Just dump it all over them. Overwhelm them, Lord. Give it, give it to my friends according to your riches. So what is Paul, what is Paul praying for? What, is, what exactly is Paul asking God to give us? He's asking God to give us strength. He is praying that our inner person might be strengthened by God's Holy Spirit. Now listen, there is not a person in this room that does not need to have their inner person strengthened by the, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. See, your inner person is the place where all of your decisions are made. Your inner person is, is where all of your feelings lie. It's where all of your emotions are hidden. And it's the place where Paul is saying, Lord, strengthen them. Verse six, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says this. Though our outer strength, our outer self is wasting away. In other words, we are getting grayer. We are getting more wrinkly. We are getting more saggy. Can I get a witness? many of you. He says, but our inner self, our, while, while we're wasting away outwardly, says our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now listen, this is such a great, great truth. As the, as the outward body is getting older and more tired as we walk with Christ and as we apply this truth that we're reading to our lives, it says the inner person is growing stronger and stronger and more powerful. And you say, how in the world does that happen? Because it sounds like this is some kind of superhero kind of stuff. Listen, it is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is praying that we would be strengthened through the power of God's Holy Spirit. Now I want to talk about this word power for a moment. The Greek word for power is dunamis. It means dynamic. It's where we get the English word dynamite. And Paul is praying, Father, let these friends of mine experience the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit in their inner life to the point where every single day they're being renewed. Now I want you to think about your inner being, your inner self for just a moment. What source are you drawing from to help you make wise decisions in life? Where are you drawing from to bring peace to your emotions? What, what, it, what, what is going to bring contentment in the midst of your feelings? What, what, what is going to give you strength to have victory over temptation? What is going to allow you to live out the truth of who you are in Christ? The Apostle Paul's praying, Lord, give them the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God controlling our inner being. Now, I just mentioned a word that some of you may be having a problem with. It's the word control. Some of you may be going, whoa, wait a minute. Nobody said anything about control. Brian, are you saying that in order to have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, I have to give God control of my life? I have to give God control of my inner being? That's exactly what I'm saying. And some of you are thinking, but wait a minute. I like being in control. I'm used to being in control. Control is very important to me. And my question to you would be, how is that working for you? Uh, seriously. When it comes to your emotions, your feelings, your strength, your power over temptation and sin, I mean, really, how is that working out for you? Well, then how, you might be asking, well, how in the world is this power available to me? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. In other words, you, at the moment of salvation... The Holy Spirit came into your life. You were sealed. 
The Bible calls it to be indwelt. But to actually have the Holy Spirit's filling to the point where he is in control of your life is a totally different story. You say, how does that happen? I want you to write down the word surrender. Write down the words, when you surrender your will, your desires, your plans, your thoughts, your emotions in humility before the Lord, that's where the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit of God really begins to take control of your life. That's where we get the power to become doers of God's word. That's where we really begin to experience the ability to walk in God's strength. And here's what I found. When the strength of God increases in our lives, sin begins to decrease. When the strength of God's Holy Spirit increases in our lives, that's where all of a sudden we start finding joy and peace and contentment and victory over the things that are just plaguing us. The Bible says, He must increase and I must do what? Some of y'all know it. Think of how much money people spend all of the time every single year trying to find inner peace and happiness. Try Googling sometime books on inner peace and happiness, emotional stability. You could could buy enough books to fill up an entire library on this topic. Think of how many seminars you can go to, you can attend on this topic. I mean, people are desperate for emotional strength. They are desperate to want to, to find victory over their emotions, to, to find some kind of inner strength inside of themselves. Listen, the only way, the only thing that is going to give you the strength inside of your inner being to the place where you are walking in power is by being filled up and by surrendering yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that that can happen is when we just basically give up control and go, Lord, your will, your ways, your desires, your plans, not mine, but yours. I surrender myself to your control. Now, why is Paul praying this for us? Why is he, why is he so desperately praying for us, this for us? Because he knows that it's available to us. And listen, God wants us to be Holy Spirit strong. God wants us to be Holy Spirit strong. Then Paul prays for something else. He prays for depth. He prays that we might experience the depth of knowing Christ. Look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now the word means, the word dwell literally means to settle down and to feel at home. Paul is praying that these believers in Ephesus would have a deeper experience in their relationship with Christ. He is praying that Christ would be allowed to settle down and to feel at home in their hearts. Not just a surface relationship, but something that goes way, way, way down deep. You say, how does that happen? Well, let me give you an illustration. Robert Munger, years ago, wrote a book called My Heart, Christ's Home. And in this book, he talks about, he he asks readers, picture your Christian life like a house. Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, will enter a heart, he will settle down, and he wants to be at home there. And then Munger uses the imagery of a home with rooms to bring out the full meaning of what it means to have Christ residing in your life. And he says, picture all of a sudden this part of your life like a study or a library. What would need to be removed, he asks, what would need to be removed off the shelves of your mind for Jesus to feel at home in your thought life. Then he talks about a dining room and a living room. What activities or pleasures would need to be removed for Jesus to feel at home and to settle down in this area of your life, your activities and the things that you do to, to bring pleasure to your life? 
He talks about your workspace. For you students, he talks about your classroom space. What, what, what needs to be removed? What needs to be replaced in this area for Jesus to feel like I can settle down and feel at home in this part of your life? Then he talks about the hall closet. What is stuck way back in the corners of your life, the dark places of your life where things are actually hidden? Would Jesus feel at home in those different areas in that place of your life? You see, we like to compartmentalize, don't we? We have what we call our spiritual world and our secular world. And, and here's, here's my spiritual space that I work in, which is usually on Sunday. And here's my secular space that I work in, which is, you know, every other day of the week. It, it's my secular world. What if we could look at all of it and go, no, 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 it's not Sunday. It's every single day. And we looked at all of it and said, it's all spiritual. Jesus, I want you to be able to feel comfortable settling down in every area, every room, every nook and cranny of my life on any given day at any, any given time. When we can get to that place, that's where we begin to, to develop a deep relationship. That, and that's the kind of depth that Paul is praying for here. Now, how do we get to the point where we allow Christ to have that kind of access to our lives? Well, Paul tells us that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. We have to trust him. And the only way that Christ is going to feel comfortable enough to settle down and to feel at home in your life, to actually dwell inside of you, is for you to trust him with every area of your life. Think about every compartment of your life right now. Think about it in, in terms of a house, your, the library of your mind, the place where you, find, you know, the, the, where you go to find pleasure, your activities or your workspace. The, the, the dark places of your life. Do you trust him enough to have full access to every area of your life? Every area of your life, your future, your job, your classroom, your friendships, everything. What would happen if Jesus could settle down and feel at home in your mind this morning? You might be able to re replace stress and worry with joy and contentment. What if we trusted Jesus enough to settle down and feel at home in our private life? We might be able to replace sinful addictions and guilt with inner peace and freedom. But in order for that to happen, we have to trust him to have full access. We need to get to the place in our lives where we say, Lord, I want to experience the depth of knowing you in a way that I have never experienced before. I want you to be able to settle down and to feel at home in this area of my life, in every area of my life. See, that kind of depth, when we, we long and we pray for that kind of depth, it takes faith. We have to be willing to trust what God may want to do in our lives to feel at home. And quite honestly, it might involve a little pain. It might involve a little bit of suffering. It might involve a little bit of pruning. But when you approach God with this kind of faith, listen, I want you to know something. You can't go wrong. You can't lose. So there's a progression of this prayer. Paul says, make us strong inwardly through the Holy Spirit, which leads to Christ feeling at home in our hearts, dwelling by faith. And then he prays this, that we might comprehend and know the love of Christ. One of my favorite places in scripture, verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, let me stop for a minute, and I want to talk about this phrase, rooted and grounded in love. There are two different images that the Apostle Paul is using here. Rooted, when you think of rooted, I want you to think about, about the important, how important a root system is to a tree. 
A tree must have its roots down deep into soil if it's really going to get the nourishment and stability that it needs to grow. And Paul is praying that our nourishment and our stability in life would be rooted deep in God's love. Then he mentions the word grounded. It's an architectural term referring to our foundation. I remember when we started building this building, I, I believe it was in late 2004, early 2005, and, and they dug out this big space right here, cleared all of this ground that you see outside the windows. And I remember them being, they were laying down all of this under, you know, the, the, the surface metal rods, and then they started pouring cement. And it seemed to me like it was taking forever. I thought it was taking way too long. And I remember driving onto this property and sitting right up over this hill and going, is this ever going to be finished? I mean, when are we, I wanted to see walls. I wanted to see, I wanted to see structure go up. I was ready for paint and carpet and, you know, everything you see now. And I remember, I remember the guys that were building the building, like, you need to settle down here. I mean, the, the most important part of this building is the foundation. If the foundation isn't right, if we don't dig down deep enough and take time to allow it to settle and make sure that it's solid and secure, then everything else is not going to be strong. We, had to, we have to go down deep into the ground and make sure it's, it's solid. And that's what Paul's praying here, that our lives would be grounded down deep into the love of God. Think of how your marriage could change if your love for each other was rooted in the love of Christ. I mean, every marriage that I know of goes through tough seasons. Think what, could, what, what your marriage could withstand if your relationship was grounded. The foundation of your marriage was grounded in the love of Christ. For those of you this morning that are single, think of what your pursuit for a husband or a wife might look like if you were to first root yourself and ground yourself into God's love. If you could truly settle in on how much God loves you and own it, own it, anchor yourself in it, anchor your life into it, listen, then you would never settle for the cheap imitations of love that are all, all around us out there. You would never settle for that because you, you, you would be so rooted and so grounded in Christ's love that you would know the real from the fake. You would know it. You'd be able to spot it as soon as you, as soon as you see it. Then the Apostle Paul, the Bible says in verse 18, may you have the strength to comprehend the width and the length and the height and the depths of God's love for us. And the word comprehend means to mentally grasp something to the point where you actually make it your own. It actually becomes yours. You own it. In other words, it is possible to hear something over and over and over and over and over again, but not make it your own. And that's what the Apostle Paul's concerned about here. He's considering, I mean, how much we hear these words, God loves you, God loves you. I mean, how many of you have heard that over and over in, in your life? God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And you hear it over and over again, but you don't own it. You don't own it. It's like this tree, it just becomes noise to us. And Paul says, listen, we've been given a four-dimensional inheritance of love. The love that God has for us, first of all, he says it's wide. It reaches all men, all nations. It's able to cover any sin that we've ever committed. It covers all of my needs, my worries, my cares, and my problems. Then he says we've been given a, a, a love that is long. The length of his love is eternal. It existed before time. It is never ending and it's unconditional. Then we've been given a love that's high. The height of his love gives us access to all of the spiritual riches of heaven. And then he says it's deep. It is so deep 
then even when you are at your lowest spiritual point, God has the ability to reach down into the depths of where you are. And some of you may be there this morning. God has the ability, because he loves you, his love is so deep, to reach down where you are and to pull you out. Several years ago, I was going through a a really tough season. I mean, it was like I was just getting wailed on from every side. I turned my face, it was like boom, boom, boom. And I remember... I would lay down to go to bed at night and my mind would just start racing with all of these issues and I couldn't go to sleep. And then so I'd finally go to sleep and somewhere about four o'clock in the morning, it was like there was an alarm clock in my head. I would wake up and I would just start thinking about all of these issues again. And finally, I sat down with a dear friend of mine and I just, I told him what was going on and, and he just gave me a great piece of advice. He said, instead of thinking about all of the issues that you're dealing with that you can't really do anything about, at 11 o'clock at night, and certainly not at 4 o'clock in the morning, and thinking about how, how they're making you feel and how cruddy you're feeling and all of this and that. He said, I want you, when you put your head on your pillow at night, I want you to rest in how much God loves you. And when you wake up at 4 in the morning, I want you to just, I want you to put your head back down on your pillow again, and I want you just, I want you to think about how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love is for you. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm going to be honest with you. I struggled with this for a while. And the reason is, is because I realized I was, I'm, I'm not sure that I had really made that my own. See, when you get to the place where you make it your own, it's not just hearing it, but you own it. You're rooted down deep into it. You're grounded into it. Then it's going to begin to change everything. And then Paul says something that almost seems like a contradiction to what he just said. He prays that we will know the unknowable. Ephesians 3.19, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. He says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Here's what Paul's saying. You can personally experience the love of Christ. You can actually own it. But it will never fully be able, you'll never fully be able to understand it because it goes beyond human knowledge. God's love for us is so wide, so long, so high, so deep that it can't be measured. It's a love that goes beyond our human knowledge. And so I want to listen listen to what we've heard. We've heard, first of all, that we have been made so rich in Christ that we have riches that can't even be counted. And now we've just found out that we have been loved by Christ with a love that can't be measured. That simply means that no matter what life throws at us, we have more than enough spiritual resources to get through whatever it might be. So here's the progression of this prayer so far. Lord, Paul's praying, Lord, make them strong inwardly through the Holy Spirit which leads to Christ feeling at home in their hearts, dwelling by faith. May they be so rooted and grounded in Christ and may they know and experience its width and its length and its height and its depth, even though they'll never be able to measure it on their best day. And what's the result of all of this? Look at verse 19. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to think of your life as a container for a, mo- for a moment. A container that might hold sugar or you know, some flour or whatever that might be. God wants to fill us up, filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit, filled up with the love of Christ, filled up with God himself, filled up to the point that we are actually overflowing, overflowing to the point that it touches the lives of other people, that it impacts the church that we attend. Now listen, I want to make something real clear. We learned last year, if you were here, from Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, that when we trust Christ to be our Savior, we are complete, We are full. Now, positionally, that is true. 
But practically, here's a question that we face every single day. How much will we allow ourselves to live in that fullness today? God wants to dwell inside of us. Why? Does he need a place to live? Is God homeless? What's going on here? No, no. He wants to empower us to do his will. He wants us to live in power and victory in this world. He wants to give us a power to truly live our lives out to the absolute fullness of our God-given ability in this lifetime. And the question that we have to ask ourselves again is, how willing are you to, to surrender your life to him? How willing are you to give up control so that he can fill you? To empty yourself so that he can fill you up? See, he will do the filling and the overflowing if we will do the surrendering. And then Paul prays that we might have the strength of the Holy Spirit. He says, Lord, give him the strength of the Holy Spirit that brings a deeper experience with God, that leads to a love that is beyond our understanding, that leads to a life that is overflowing with the fullness of God. Listen, there is such power in this prayer right here. Can you imagine what would happen? Let's just say over the next 40 days, if you were to pray this over your own life every single day. Pray it to the point where you own it. Can you imagine what could happen if you just said, I'm going to pray this prayer over my kids every single day, just for the next 40 days? Now, I know some of you have been listening to me, in your, maybe in your heart, you're like, Brian, you know what? I hear you talking about who I am in Christ, but I don't feel it. I hear you talking about being strengthened by the Holy Spirit, but I feel very weak this morning. I, I, I hear you talking about giving God control, but I just don't know if I have the faith. I hear you talking about being loved by Christ and it sounds unbelievable, but I just feel unlovable this morning. When I look at myself, when I consider my life and I hear about the fullness of God and how he wants to fill me up, I I don't see a life that is overflowing with God. I I just, I I don't feel that. I love the way Paul ends this prayer. Here's, here's, Here's what he reminds us. He reminds us of God's ability. And he says in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. In other words, Paul says, when you feel weak, God is able. When you feel powerless, God is able. When you feel like you can't, you can't do it another day, he says, God is able. And I love the way Paul's it out, Paul lays it out. He says, now unto him who is able to do all, beyond what we could ask, beyond what we could think, far more abundantly beyond what we could ever ask or think. God wants, to walk you, to, God wants you to walk in strength this morning. How in the world can I do that? How in the world can I walk in strength every single day in this world that I'm living in? He offers spiritual riches that he says are unsearchable. You can't even count them. He offers a love that is beyond our understanding. And he offers more power above what we could ever ask or think. You think about that for a moment. Years ago, Uh, It was Christmas, my junior year of college. I was driving home from college for Christmas break. I was driving from Lynchburg, Virginia, where I was going to college, to where my parents lived in Howell, Michigan. All right? I had a 1976 Ford Granada. It was silver blue. It had a white vinyl top. It was a chick magnet machine. (laughs) 
And I remember driving home and the weather was really bad. I drove through torrential rains in West Virginia. I remember driving through a, a, like a railroad track area and I had to dr- actually drive through a flood. There were cars getting caught. And then I got into Ohio and it was a blizzard. I mean, it was just snow pouring down everywhere. It was building up. And I mean, this car was just drudging, you know, making it through the snow. And I finally got to Akron, Ohio and I pulled into a Greyhound. My car was really struggling and I pulled into this Greyhound bus station and my car just completely died. And I called my dad on a pay phone. For those of you who don't know what that is, you put a money in a, in a phone or you call an operator and they connect you with somebody. Um, but I called my dad on this pay phone and I told him what was going on, I mean, about the floods and the, you know, the snow and the whole thing. And he said, go ahead, pop, pop the hood. And um, he, he said, I'm going to tell you what to do. Now, you've got to realize under the hood of a car, I am clueless, all right? If you ever see me stuck on the side of the road, you know I'm in trouble, all right? So... I go in, I check, you know, the, the, uh, the little things on the battery, all right, the connections, all right, and I check in some other things. I go back, I call him back again. I'm like, no, it's just still not working. And so he, it's late at night now, he jumps in his car, drives 165 miles from Howell, Michigan down to Akron, Ohio, all right, and he does what dads do, pops the hood of my car, checks a couple connections, realize, oh, there's, oh, there's a wire loose, boom, car starts right back up. I follow him home, I feel like an idiot. Somehow driving through the floods of West Virginia and the snow of eastern Ohio, a wire came loose and I became powerless. And for some of you this morning, your life is a little bit like my car. You've gone through all the challenges of life. You've, been, you, 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 you've, you've just faced everything that you can handle and, and, and you've been cut off from the source of power. And you're not walking in strength this morning. You're not walking in victory. Maybe unbelief, maybe unconfessed sin, maybe just careless living, maybe just letting the world into your life, maybe just settling in and just owning a cruddy attitude. Maybe all of that stuff has just robbed you of your power. And when you get to that place, listen, it can make you feel like you're a broken down old car on the side of the road, completely powerless feeling useless. Here's what Jesus says in John 15, 5. He says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. God wants you to be powerful this morning. Why? He says it. So your life can bring him glory so that you can be used to strengthen and build his church so that you can be usable in his hands. And he is willing to make that happen. It says he is willing and he is able to do far more than we could ever ask or think of. And so here's our prayer this morning. Lord, make me strong inwardly through the Holy Spirit so that Christ may feel at home in my heart, so that I might be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, so that I might know and experience his love, its width, its length, its height, its depth, so that I may be filled up with the fullness of God. That's a powerful prayer right there. And that's a prayer, listen, that wasn't just written for a church at Ephesus 2,000 years ago. It was written for Westridge Church this morning. I want you to bow your heads for a moment, if you would. Listen, some of you have walked into this place, and I don't ever take this for granted. And the reason you're powerless is because you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. 
You've never asked God for forgiveness. You've never repented of sin. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never told him that he's the son of God. You've never received him into your life, this free gift that's been given to you by grace. You've never received it through faith. And right now, this is your moment. Heads bowed. If you want to pray with me, just say, God, at this very moment, I put every bit of my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins and I say yes to Jesus. He is the Son of God. I'm powerless because there is no Holy Spirit in my life. But by faith, I put my trust in you. And I confess that what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross was enough to forgive me of my sins and to make things right between me and you. And so, Lord, by grace, through faith, I receive salvation into my life. And I ask you to live inside of me.